is such a honest place. Whatever you have in your heart, it will get exaggerated. It will come out. It will come to the surface. You see. Mm. You've been speaking a lot about this journey between the head and the ear. Yeah. And I, the last few days, I really felt like it's it's like a cage in here. Every time I want to go, it's like something that won't allow me. It's not a perfect example because I would, if you ask me where you really are, I would tell you you're already here. But, but, but this journey from head to heart is, a, is the dream journey. If you ask me what is really true, I tell you you're already here. But because we so much identify with the mind, we experience like we are outside of the heart because the mind is not, uh, well, it's not pure. It does, it's, not, it's pure in essence, but it's not pure in activity when, when, when there is identification with a person or personality or personhood, then the mind has a different function. It is functioning for the person, which is also consciousness. The person is also consciousness. But this consciousness is fixated upon just personal existence. It is not aware of its wider, of its, of its, of its source, of its own fullness. It's fixed on the, just the secular life, on the physical life. So, because of this, pain comes into the world, pain comes into, into the being. Then I feel, you know, I, my life is like this, my life is like that. And I said, of course it is like that, because uh, you're not in your real place. You're not aware. You only have to be aware of it. You cannot travel to your real place, because actually you are there. So it's not a physical journey. It's really only a journey of understanding. If you remove the misunderstanding, the journey is complete because you find that I'm just here. So it's not really a journey in a, in, with a kind of physical uh, dimension. It's only a journey uh, through awareness, a journey of understanding. But because we feel uh, identified with the body, which is an object, and with the mind, which is apparent subject, but both actually the body and the mind are objects to the real self meaning that they are um, appearances they are not the they are not the essence you see and yet they are also expressions of the essence this is a funny thing so if we have too much of a literal mind we don't really understand this because it will seem sometimes that uh, truth is contradictory but it's only depending upon the level of the of the, the seeker's outlook and maturity if they believe that they are flesh and blood, then the language you have to speak in is mostly has to go through flesh and blood, going towards more uh, spirit or openness. You see? So the whole point of the journey is to get the being to realize that it is spiritual, that it is not an object, but it is like more like uh, the word spirit maybe communicates one kind of idea to people, or I say like consciousness or space or spacious intelligence or something. But it's not fixed, it is infinite. A body cannot be infinite. The you know, only thing is infinite is that which is, which is without form. Over the, the, the time that we have available to us to communicate, we are communicating in various ways, the different ideas that, you know, it's putting the mirror in different position to show you that always you are just here, you're only just here. 
But this here-ness is not the body's here-ness. It's the here which is uh, real understanding that I am not the things I am seeing, not absolutely. Relatively, they are there and they relate to, to me. Somehow, all teachings start mostly from with a theoretical position, but it cannot end in a theoretical position. It must just give something to the mind to orientate the mind towards the, the self. And the mind has to slowly, by contemplating what is being shown and like this, slowly loses its rigidity and emerges inside the, the heart space. When that happens, when the mind, which we call I, merges in the heart space, which we call I also, or we call that, you know, because usually people don't call this heart I'm talking about that, like the supreme, what is. They call, uh, the, for them, most times people think the heart is like an emotional center or something. But the heart is really ourself, our real being. So when the I, which is the mind, enters into the heart, which is referred to as the truth or what is for God, then the feeling of I becomes completely infinite. It's like, if there's an I, it is infinite. But also the infinite can be without the I. Because I is just a name, really, referring to the infinite. But the infinite really has no name. And uh, it has to be converted, this understanding, into pure experience. Mm -hmm. Because only experience is firm. Theoretical knowledge is not. Could you feel it like a bubble? Because this morning I was sitting and at one point, I'm very identified to the body, but at one point it was this bubble and it was it. It was not, nothing there. Yes. It was just a bubble inside. And, yes. and it was something like something living in the body, but it was a bubble. The experience I had this morning. What was inside the bubble? Nothing. It was just a bubble. Yes. It was, just, it was nothing. It was just like a, a presence there. There was nothing else. Okay. So this body is the bubble, and inside is the is the presence. Okay. That was it. Yes. That is the yeah. Yeah. That's what is the symbol of that. The body itself is a bubble. And what is inside is empty. Inside empty, outside empty. And the, the bubble, the, the body, is just a reference point. Without the body, no inside, no outside. Like the air is the air, it's nobody's air. But when you breathe it in, you say, it's my breath. But it doesn't belong to anybody. When you breathe it out, it's just air again. You cannot find the breath you breathe out when it's out. It's gone. So, in the same way, the universal uh, being inside the body is like an in-breath of uh, the Supreme, and inside you say it's I. When it's breathed out, it's universal. We are universal. We should not be afraid initially of that concept. It feels fearful, because individual, individuality gives us a sense of privacy and uniqueness. And then we imagine if we are universal, it sounds great, but I don't want to be like everybody. But there is not everybody in the universal in that way. You are still actually, what we are experiencing now, even in our, even in our small self, it's still universal, actually. It's still universal. Like, 
we are afraid of emptiness. The one who is searching also for truth is also mostly emptiness. But the idea of emptiness is a bit afraid for it, but it's mostly emptiness. That's why when we look to find the one who is looking, you don't find anything actually. And then we realize that that one who is posing as something going from one thing to another thing is not true. And what realizes this is the self, is the I am itself realizes it. So the the truth presented in a theoretical expression is also important because the mind has to somehow make use of this to get rid of what is not true mentally first. But then that also has to go deeper. It's like food in the mouth is is the taste. And then when you swallow it's not taste anymore. You have no more control. It goes in another way. And that understanding has to be swallowed. And sometimes just being in satsang, your whole being is swallowing. Something little sips at a time maybe. Sometimes big, much, goes. Sometimes this something tightens up. It doesn't feel anything. But just gradually, whatever resonates inside your heart to touch you, you will accept and it will merge. What creates fear, it will tighten up and nothing will happen for a bit. Gradually, as you begin to feel uh, the fear moving away, then the sense of accommodating you know, what you're hearing uh, becomes much more easy. Just much more easy. When all of this is all over, when the medicine is swallowed, then we see there was nothing to fear, actually. Nothing at all to fear. The fear was a quality of the mind. And the beingness has to transcend all the uh, abilities, expression, uh, formations, projections of the mind. It has to uh, be aware of them, feel them, but not be distracted by them. For a good while in the human life, we are mostly distracted. We are actually giving a lot of energy to things which are transient, temporary. We can't help that. But gradually, somehow, this orientation comes, this attraction comes to look more deeply, then our attention turns more inside, and you begin to feel the wealth and the possibility of the wealth which is your own being, this wealth that is inexhaustible. This is the wealth. Then outside is still beautiful, but it's not a dependence, not a need, for something is sufficient. This wealth is sufficient, you see. And abundant also. It's abundant uh, wealth. Myself, every now and again, I just have to remind, having said all these things, I said the culmination of that understanding, the consummation of the understanding, leaves consciousness in a state of pure lightness and neutrality. Like your being is like empty. It's like empty. We imagine that, oh, but that's kind of vulnerable. If you're empty, you must have something to protect, to depend on, to use. This is the misunderstanding. You are empty, you are in total peace, 
if something is needed for a moment, then somehow energy comes to address that. And when the need goes, it goes back again into silence. The, the spirit in the, in, in the life force, in its action, its activity, uh, when the self is its master and not the mind, its actions are very economical and beautiful. It doesn't waste its action. It's only when it's working a little bit under the kind of influence of the mind, you produce a lot of things which are wasteful. It doesn't go anywhere because it's all dream, dream projections. But in the self, it's like natural conserving, not because it needs to conserve, because it can. The self cannot lose energy. It cannot gain energy or lose energy. Energy, it gives birth to energy. It cannot lose energy. It's the it's the inexhaustible reservoir of the of existence. Cannot lose energy, but somehow in the self-discovery, it is so delighted, delightfully happy with its own self. Nothing stands a chance. No, no other. Actually, there is no other thing. Because when the mind comes back to the self, it's like everything has the perfume of self. <laughs> Funny. Like nothing is like like nothing you can see is outside consciousness. Everything is inside consciousness. Everything you see on the earth came from the earth. Everything, even the things we think, oh, this is not natural, this is plastic, all well, came from the earth. Everything came from the earth. The same way, everything that you see, perceive, comes from consciousness. It cannot exist independent of consciousness. And it is an aspect, an expression uh, of a concrete form of consciousness. If your mind works like this, oh, Everything is beautiful for you. you know, nothing is really your enemy. It's just activities moving by the cosmic harmony under the law of uh, cosmic physics, cosmic chemistry, cosmic mathematics. Everything is uh, working in some order. But the Lord is their Lord. The Supreme is their Lord. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful seeing and also it allows for your whole, your body and mind to be healthy because much of our ailments is to do with the fear of our projections. We are so afraid, we are too tense, we are not uh, happy. And if you are not happy, it's almost like you are slowly dying if you are not happy. A uh, human being should not have a stressful life. We have stressful life is an expression of what I call acid grace, meaning that when we are when we are going off the track, then you have a lot of trouble in your life. But the trouble is also necessary to help you to go back on course because after a while it becomes unbearable. When you're not able to make a decision for yourself, then life comes on your behalf, it gives you some examples, some experiences that will help you to. Uh, maybe turns up the fire a little bit, helps you to move on more quickly, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Life being experienced from the position of the egoic self is not meant to work. You, you have to have trouble. Trouble has to be there. Because without trouble, you'll be completely lost. 
if our egoic projections worked and was delicious, and you would not have any attraction for the truth. So if you don't naturally have that attraction, it's like we are living with some delusion, some fantasy, and it cannot work. It's against the, the law of existence to support fantasy forever. Something is going to come, crash your dream or burst your bubble, do something. And then you realize, well, wait a minute, you know, this, I can't depend on this. Then you have to go and find, what is it that I can depend on? What is it that won't leave me? Then you have to look. But unless you, it hurts, you don't look like mm -hmm. this. So I was saying, the life, it has to hurt for a while, while we're in ignorance. And that pain helps you to, to look for what is it that does not hurt. But, uh, it, but if we only complain, then he said, but this is foolish. That's a foolish thing, because not just complain. Complain is not going to change. Life is not cruel, actually. Sometimes you give you pain, life will give pain out of kindness. It's also part of compassion. Because if we don't feel pain, you don't move. You, you just rot. You rot in, in, in a living body. Just stagnate. You're there, not, not really going. Unless uh, sometimes things get difficult, it helps you to exercise your wisdom, to look more deeply, to not, not be lazy. This is a, the inherent wisdom in the life. People say, well, you know, why, why is it that uh, there's a flaw in the manifest world? Why is this flaw? So what is the flaw? So it's like, you know, it's like you do something very beautiful, but always something goes wrong. Huh? Why is it that you, you make a beautiful palace and you know, you surround it, you know, so there's no bad people can come in. But mosquitoes are biting you every day and ants eating your food. And what, what, why is it like that? Is there no safe place? I said, the safe place is to find yourself. <laughs> because all these things, sometimes really you should say thank you to the mosquito, but nobody I think says thank you to the mosquito. <laughs> you see? Because he says, even here, you build a palace, all the money in the world, you got your own land and stuff you're going to have some trouble. It's going to be bugs or mosquitoes or something is going to happen. Maybe not human being, Because you cannot, you're going to die huh, in a crystal palace. You're going to die in a golden palace. Because you have to move on. You have to, the life is about inside. Discover your greatness, your beauty. You know, the supreme being is inside this body. <laughs> supreme being. Not half a being. I said, look, I only want to put 1% one, 1 of myself. No. Supreme being is there. That's why we can contemplate and be in the fullness of that realization, because it's inside. So great is it that it can put its full power in everybody and lose no power in itself, because it is in everything. Nothing can exist outside of it. And every instrument that it puts itself in, it cannot be 1% less than what it is. You cannot do without that. You cannot do without that. Even in a bad expression, the expression is nothing but the, the self is in it. This is the this is the holiness of the body. In Christianity, we have this thing to say: hate the sin, but love the sinner. But I said, but who is the sinner? Even the sinner, the sinner is also an idea, if you care to look. You know. The sinner is also an idea, but for a while we can't comprehend that statement. We just said, no, the sinner is him. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. 
that also is a, that for now that's also a reality. Okay, you have to stay with that one. And uh, so, and and it's also consciousness. If it seems somebody has done something wrong, the consciousness has done something wrong in this body, then the consciousness in its belief of being that body must be punished inside that body. Until it's wise enough, when it knows that it's not this body. I cannot even say that it would not take the life of another expression. I cannot say this. You don't know what it will do. But whatever it does, it's perfect. It's in harmony. This is why the highest teachings cannot just be given to everybody on the street until they are ready to assimilate what it means. And they will only imitate it. They can't or they dismiss it. We have to grow into the understanding. It's not that suddenly, bang, you can understand the highest thing. You cannot do it. Gradually, something is evolving, maturing, capable of comprehending more subtle truths. You know, but everybody is in that evolutionary drive. Amazing instrument, this body. Amazing. Because consciousness is completely suitable, adapted to working inside this instrument. This is, this is a miracle. In this instrument, consciousness is perfectly adapted in each instrument to, to realize itself. And at the same time, to have the sense of the freedom to express and to experience everything. And why not? Because it's God who can experience everything. But the game seems that you you have to know that you are a consciousness, and not the person, which is a construct of consciousness also. And when I reflect on these things, contemplate them, I say, my God, how great are the mysteries of God! How great! How how just unending, 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 vast. Sometimes I can see um, a lot of it just in a few seconds. Not by bits by bits at a time, but by somehow a galaxy at a time, you can see that. And not by working anything out. Just somehow you, you stay inside the, the harmony of seeing, and it's almost like you know it. You know it without knowing it. You know it without knowledge. It's revealed somehow, some things, but it's not like human way of learning. Like this plus this equal this, and if you take this, then it's this. Not by human logic only, but some other. We have another kind of logic inside us that you cannot put down on paper. And maybe it's the maybe it's the I call it the cosmos cosmic logic, the logic of uh, consciousness, that you know something but you can't explain how. And nobody can explain love. And then you see, like knowledge, like knowing things, is of a lower order. In the higher world, the knowledge of things is a lower knowledge. The knowledge of self is everything. But when we are when we are a body, feel that we are the body, that we are a thing, that we are attracted to learning about other things. But when you are a self, you are not interested in learning about things. 
you're so immersed in self-awareness and things don't feel like things, they feel like you. <laughs> you see? Don't feel like things. What is the thing in a thing? Some years ago I found myself writing, there's no cloud inside a cloud. There's no tree inside a tree. There's no cow inside a cow. There's no mountain inside a mountain. There's no, there's no man inside a man. There's just farms moved by consciousness. There's nothing inside that you can see. You think you see a human being, you see a human being. But it's like children opening up the radio to see who is speaking inside. Nobody dares who is inside. Even an ancient physician, I saw a painting, the earliest dissection that they have found in painting, they opened up the body to look to see if they could see where the person lives inside the body. Nobody could find nothing at all. And just blood and tissue and bones they could not find. They could not find, they could not identify consciousness. And look how magnificent a human being is. Your ideas, your capacity to to think and to contemplate and to know the difference between thought and feeling and actuality and imagination, to feel love and hate, to feel difference and unity, to contemplate God or the Supreme Being when you when you cannot see an image of it. This capacity inside human being in, the, in this body. It's a very, very great gift. But who received it? I don't know. Consciousness gave itself this body, and the body became like a lens through which the consciousness, the infinite, could perceive manifestation with a sense of otherness. But it must not lose the sense that the otherness came out of that unity. They all exist in the One, so they are not truly other. They are all aspects of the One. When we contemplate like that, there is no space. There is no space for aggression. There is no space for worry. There is just that delicious joy and uh, peace, this huge love that encompasses everything. Because you see things in a new light, not the light of the selfish senses of the mind, but just the light of the all-encompassing consciousness. So, then you see what? You go to sleep, you're happy. You get up, you're happy. People curse you, you're happy. In every way, you can't stop this happiness. This peace, yeah. nothing can disturb it. It's just there. It's, it's nobody's property. It's just uncovered, and it doesn't doesn't seem to be able to be covered up again, except momentarily, like a hand goes over it and a shadow goes over it. And for a moment, you can have the sensation of being lost again for a moment. But I perceive this is good, because even to the sages it happened. Some of them. They speak about the dark night of the soul. For so much time, months and months and months, they have no sense of separation from the Supreme, and they are in this bliss, this Satchidananda, 
fragrance. And then for a few minutes or hours, they're like, it's like overcast, like a dark cloud come and you feel alone. You feel the pain of being a human being and sorrow and wretchedness. And you feel, oh my God, you know, like Jesus say, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, means, my God, my God, why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? He said on the cross now. For a moment, he felt completely alone. He felt his humanness. And then he said, in this moment, yet, he says, into thine hand I commit my spirit. Like this. So you will feel this feeling, like, for no reason. You feel lost, and even Lao Tzu, he says, I have no, no, no place to put my head. No friends. And you feel completely alone. But I perceived this to be good because when it happened for me also, I knew it's not true. It won't last. And somehow it made even more strength. In that moment it felt even more strength because I was there. I felt my God, it's like it's all of this my belief. I was like this. I said, Did I did I make this up? All of this up? Uh, some doubt that I make all this up. Why I feel like this? I, I don't. I don't feel you. Why are you like this? And then somehow, I said, "Well, somehow this feeling has a beauty also about it." I can't say why. I said, "If if I am, if I am feeling again that I am separate, then what to do? I didn't create this thing." And then it's all gone. Then I felt very happy again. I thought, you know what, I'm not afraid of you. You can come back again. I really felt like that. You can come back again. Come back again. So therefore, when people, they, they write and they say, oh, I feel completely lost. I don't feel anything. I said, don't panic. You know, remember this feeling. Acknowledge this feeling. Because, and do it now while it's here, because it will soon pass. Don't register it as a negative, as you know, something that must never be felt again. No, 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 welcome it.